If you like this podcast, you're probably interested in prioritizing your well-being. And one of the pillars that I focus on when it comes to self-care is hydration. During the summer, staying hydrated is more important than ever, and sometimes regular water doesn't cut it. For many of us, we don't get the electrolytes and minerals we need in a day. And when I started incorporating these and started focusing on hydration at a cellular level, I had so much more energy and felt more refreshed and replenished after my workouts. For the makers of Gatorade, Propel is the only zero sugar fitness water among national enhanced water brands with enough electrolytes to replace what is lost in sweat. When life gets busy, when temperatures rise, Propel is here to keep you hydrated with benefits such as electrolytes, vitamins, and antioxidants without added sugar. And because keeping your, our immune systems in check is still a top priority, check out Propel Immune Support, the newest fitness water that helps support a healthy immune system with 100% of the daily recommended value of vitamin C per bottle and an excellent source of zinc and electrolytes. This summer, upgrade your hydration with Propel. Hey, what's up? Hello. Welcome to Balanced Black Girl. My name is Les. I'm your host, and I'm excited to hang out with you today. I started this podcast almost four years ago, basically because I wanted a place to talk about wellness stuff. And it has evolved and changed and grown, and I have evolved and changed and grown, and so have you. And now we're here evolving and changing and growing together. On Balance Black Girl, we produce episodes in series. So we will take a central topic and we will have conversations about it from different angles for six-ish episodes. And our current series is called Modalities of Healing. So we're questioning what it means to heal in various contexts. A big inspiration for this series is the book, What Happened to You by Dr. Bruce Perry and Oprah. I listened to that book earlier this year, and it really changed my perspective on healing and helped me understand how significant events in our lives can impact our behaviors and reactions and how we view the world. And so this episode and next week's episode, actually kind of a little two-parter here, will be really inspired by the learnings from that book. Our inner child can really influence our outer adult, and we couldn't have a series about healing without talking about emotional healing, understanding our inner child, and how healing can aid in our evolution. My guest today is the amazing Dr. Peace Amadi. Dr. Peace is a mental health expert, professor, author, TEDx speaker, TV host, and trauma-informed coach who helps people heal and lead. From speakers, entrepreneurs, and content creators to pastors, parents, and educators, Dr. Peace is a coach and cheerleader to the people in our lives that everyone goes to. She's also the author of Why Do I Feel Like This, which hit number one on Amazon's new releases in mental health. She is the founder of the Authorpreneur Accelerator, which helps people of influence deepen their impact and expand their reach through published books and transformative programs. And honestly, even that introduction doesn't do her justice. Dr. Peace is incredible. And in this conversation, she helps us view healing in a whole new way. So if you've ever wondered, what even is healing? Why does this thing still bug me? I thought I was over it. I thought I was healed. Or when will I be healed? We will cover that and more in today's interview. Peace, 
Elise. Welcome to Balance Flat Girl. I'm so happy to have you here. I have been waiting for you to ask me to be on this podcast for like <laughs> eight years. So no. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes, I love it. This episode has been a long time coming. So I am really, really excited to have you. And in this series where we're talking about healing, I'm like, this is the perfect time to bring you on and talk about the different elements of healing and ways that we can navigate our healing journeys. So thank you for joining me. Yeah, let's do it. Let's talk healing, girl. Yes, yes. <laughs> so we're currently in our modalities of healing series. We're examining healing from various different angles and I love how supportive and encouraging and affirming your work is and how helpful it is for all of us who are navigating an emotional healing journey from, you know, various different points and finding wholeness. So I'd love to learn from your perspective, what do you consider healing to be? What does it mean to heal? And is healing a destination or is it a process that we embark on? Yeah. You, I mean, you said it right there in the question healing. I mean, I'll just start right out the gate saying it's definitely a process. It's definitely a journey. One of my favorite metaphors actually for healing is picture yourself walking up a mountain, right? Um, So you're going round and round. You can't go straight up. Can't go straight up a mountain. You have to go round and round and round the hill. If you can imagine going round and round the hill, you're going to get to a place that looks very familiar, right? Because you can't go straight up. You're just going round and round and round. So when you, I'm not going with numbers and latitudes, but you're going to get to the same spot that looks really familiar, feels really familiar. Okay. You could have sworn that you've already healed through this, but guess what? You're higher up right? You bounce back a little bit quicker when you're triggered by something. Let's say we're talking about some you know, traumatic thing that you've been through. You're going to feel similar things. Okay. You're going you're gonna to have memories, but as you're walking up that mountain, you're bouncing back quicker. You're not as pained. It's not completely taking over your day like it used to. You're a little bit stronger. And that's what I like in healing too. It's a process where we may be triggered by the same things, you know, that originally triggered when we were first hurt, our original wound, our original trauma, whatever the case may be. But every year we're a little bit higher up on that hill, right? Every year it gets just a little bit easier to pass through the moment, to pass through the trigger, to think about whatever it is that hurt you. So healing is definitely a journey. It's a journey that we take on a lifetime. You know, we have our original wounds um, that happen likely very early on in childhood. And it's a lifetime of unpacking and unlearning and relearning and developing better coping skills and, and giving to ourselves what was either taken from us, what was violated, or what we never got. That is a lifetime thing. Oh my goodness. What a beautiful description and a really helpful metaphor thinking about the ways that we go around the mountain. When you were describing that, I was thinking of a hiking trail that I like to go on that has a trail that kind of zigzags Mm -hmm. down, (laughs) down the canyon is kind of what I was, I was picturing. Yeah. The idea that we bounce back differently with experience and as we climb higher is so, so helpful. 
Yeah. And you just said something that actually reminds me of another part of it. Even what we are telling ourselves about this journey is a real key piece of it as well. So I'm really, really big on storytelling, on the power of narrative, on the power of recreating our story. This is probably like a whole other podcast, but you know, <laughs> even shifting your understanding of what healing is, shifting your understanding of what it requires, what it takes, the fact that it's a journey, the fact that it's a lifetime thing, the fact that you're not quite fixing anything, but you are getting better at bouncing back, if you will, since you're using that, you know, metaphor, understanding that that's what healing is can be really, really powerful as well. Because a lot of us think, I know I'm, I myself have been really hard on myself in the past because I will, a memory will come up and I'll find myself crying again. I'll find myself sad again. But when I learned, right, that this is not being weak. This is not, you know, me being unhealed. This is me walking up the mountain. This is me getting up to a spot that feels familiar, but I'm higher up, right? It may take me one less day than it did last year to get through it. Um, and that's all part of it. That in and of itself is really empowering. So even just telling ourselves a new story about what our healing look like looks like and is supposed to look like can be an incredibly powerful, powerful thing for us to do. And I highly suggest looking at the stories we tell ourselves. Yes, that is so helpful because it can be so tempting to embark on healing and to have something happen that may remind you of a past experience or may bring up, uh, you know, not the best reaction. I know I've had that where I'm like, oh, I thought I've come so far. Why does this still upset me? And you can almost want to kind of beat yourself up over it. Like, oh, I thought I got over that or I thought I was past that. Um, and, and that reminder that we're still always working towards it and that we can always move through our reactions to those things is so helpful. Yeah. And a reminder to give ourselves grace too. Yeah. I mean, Les, that's it right there. I mean, you, you've you been doing this podcast for years. I You 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 know the gems, I'm sure, because you have these conversations I've listened into a few, a few times and I'm like, this girl knows what it is. <laughs> and that, that grace piece, that self-compassion piece, I mean, it's everything. It's everything. And what I've realized in my work, uh, back when I was a therapist, but also now as a trauma-informed coach, is that the self-love and the grace and the self-compassion, self-kindness, the self-tenderness is what, let me speak specifically about Black women, is something that I've found we struggle the most with is is that self-kindness. And it's, you know, that self-tenderness, be it because of conditioning, how we were raised, what we've had to do to adapt, you know, to survive the environments that we've, that we've been in. I have found, I have seen that that self-tenderness, that self-care, that grace, that self-mercy is something that we've had to learn to do. And oftentimes learn anew because we've been in situations where that hasn't been modeled to us. Um, and so a big part of my work, whether I'm a therapist, a coach, a friend, a sister, is really talking through what that looks like, right? To practice self-love in the true sense of the word, which is self-kindness. It's self-compassion. It's 
it's I love I love tenderness. I love the idea of tenderness. You know, even physically touching yourself in a tender way. There's research behind that being really powerful and a really important part of our healing. Again, giving to ourselves what we need. So I just love that you brought that up because it's a I would say cultural struggle that I'm really passionate about helping us reverse. Yes, yes, absolutely. I would love to talk about some of the steps that we can take to start reversing that and what that looks like in practice, especially, you know, if we're maybe in a situation where we haven't had that modeled for us, or we do still sometimes struggle with that kindness to ourselves, how can we get started? Yeah, that's a great question. So somehow we're really good at this when it comes to other people. Hey, right. We are nurturers. We know how to be the supportive friend. We know how to be the encouraging friend. We know how to be the ride or die friend, right? In friendship and in love. Like, we know how to be that ride or die girl. We know how to be that affectionate. We know how to be that cheerleader. And so part of this work is just kind of stepping back objectively. What am I doing for these people in my life that I love? How am I showing up for them? What am I doing for them, to them, when I'm struggling? How am I holding them? How am I touching them? What words am I saying? What pardons am I extending them? What pardons am I telling them to extend towards themselves, right? When we can look objectively at at how we are treating our most treasured people, we need to then give ourselves permission to do the same thing for ourselves. We need to borrow that same love and tenderness and grace that we give to other people, to ourselves. And it may not feel extremely natural and it it may not even feel like we deserve that. And then that becomes a whole conversation, right? It should become a whole conversation of, well, why? Why don't you deserve that same love and tenderness and grace and pardon and affection that you are giving other people around you who are also imperfect, you know, or whatever the case may be. So I, I, I like to start with just that awareness of how are we when the people in our lives that we love hurt? How are we when the people, you know, with the people in our lives when they fall short, right? How are we with them? Let's borrow that for ourselves. Let's try it on for size. Let's be our own friend. The language that you use there was so good and so helpful because I love things that are framed as a practice, right? Like asking ourselves those questions, seeing that we have those skills in our other relationships. And like, as you said, borrow some of that for yourself. It just reminds me so much of things that are a practice, something that we work at and a yes. skill that we strengthen and and seeing compassion towards ourselves is another thing that we can practice. We don't have to be perfect at it, but we can lead with curiosity and, and try some of that on is such a helpful way to think of it. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. As you were speaking, I'm also thinking of something that I know that personally has helped me find compassion in myself. And that's seeing the little girl version of me. So I love talking about the inner child. I love helping people understand that our inner child 
stays with us throughout our lives. So much so, and this is, you know, this is a little bit provocative what I'm about to say, but so much so that when we are seeking and cultivating friendship and love, we should be seeking people who can love not only our adult self, but our child self as well. This is how much this child self is so much a part of us. And what's really powerful to think about is, you know, when I say inner child, what age comes to mind? And it's, you know, there's reasons why certain ages will will come to mind. But for me, it's age 11. So age 11, you know, is is a time where I remember some specific things um, that happened that were really hurtful, really painful, really sad for me. And I still carry it around. So for some reason, thinking about like, you know, coming back to the present, thinking about how to give myself compassion, how to give myself mercy, how to give myself tenderness. When I picture myself at age 11 and I picture what 11 year old peace needs because of what was going on in her life, um, it becomes a little easier to do that. You know, it's, it's when I'm, and I'm in a situation in my adult life now where I'm, I'm needing that tenderness, I'm needing that grace and I can't do it, you know, for, you know, me being in my big age, <laughs> but it becomes a little easier when I see myself at 11 year old and what she needed, where she was hurting the very small things that would have made a huge difference. You know, some of that compassion becomes a little bit easier. Some of that tender, tenderness becomes a little bit easier. And inner child work is, you know, a whole a whole thing. But that piece right there, imagining yourself at a time in your life when you were younger and you know you needed support, you remember it viscerally. That's a time that you can have, you know, that's a, a, an image you can hold um, and practice giving yourself compassion to to that to that, you know, younger version of you grow in that area, grow in being able to give compassion to 11 year old or you or seven year old, you four year old, you, and you'll find that it becomes easier to give compassion to adult you. Oh, yes. Inner child work is something that is so fascinating. And what you mentioned about different ages is also really sticks out to me because when I start thinking about inner child work, something that I've recently realized about myself is that my inner child that needs support is actually my teenage self. Mm. And I think sometimes we forget that like teenagers are children, our inner child, we also have like a teenage component to that. And so I would love to hear maybe if you have some insight there, if people need some inner child support around kind of their later childhood as well. Oh my God, you're, Liz, you're making me want to jump into <laughs> so many. I'm like, okay, do it. We can talk Let's about inter- <laughs> intergenerational trauma, just, you know, the, all of that. So yeah, we're talking about, you know, pre-birth, birth to young adulthood. I mean, 18 is like the hard and fast number, but really, I mean, this is a developmental thing. So what's 18 for someone could be 23 for somebody else, could be 25 for somebody else. I mean, all of that is like, environmental and everything, but we're, we're definitely talking about teen years, even young adult years as what we're still forming. The time in our lives that is a formative time is all part of this, right? We have an inner child that has needed things at certain stages of their life. 
So we have psychosocial stages, about eight of them throughout our lifespan. And I'm thinking of a very specific theorist, Eric Erickson. I mean, this is going way, 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 way back. But we do have these psychosocial stages, basically where our psychology and what's going on in our social environment are there's a conflict there. Sorry, our psychology is demanding something. And then we're in a social environment that's going to give us what we want, what we need or not. So again, our psychology is demanding things of us throughout our lifespan and our social environment is going to give us what we need or not. What happens when we don't get what we need psychologically from our social environment is basically the root of the different psychological concerns um, and unmet emotional needs that we have right now because we needed something at three and five and seven and 12 and 13 and 15 and 18 and 21 that we didn't get, right? Or we had something that was violated. So that's sort of like the basis of inner child work is that we needed things to develop well optimally. And we did not get these things. And these things were emotional in nature from our social environment. So this whole time, specifically in this formative time where we're needing things from other people, like any, any time in our life where we needed things from other people is a time where we can actually be sort of emotionally stuck, which is the basis of inner child work is that we get stuck because we did not get something that we needed to develop in an optimal fashion at this whole, this whole time, um, this whole formative time, which again, zero to whenever you stop needing things from people. <laughs> so yeah, that's what we're talking about here. So we talk about inner child work. We're talking about work that needs to be done uh, for a certain time of life, a certain age of life, a certain season of life um, where you, your needs were not met. And because it's a developmental time, okay, because you, your psyche, your brain, your personality is literally forming around what you were given and what you were not given, it leaves an imprint on us. So, you know, the different ways you can say we're stuck, it leaves a, it leaves a mark. And then that's what healing becomes for the rest of our lives is again, trying to give to us what we never got at a certain time in our lives. And because just like language, right? Think about how language, how much easier it is to learn a language when you're young than when you're adult. It, it's, it, it's a similar thing where it's easier to change and make new, um, what they call synaptic connections in the brain when you're younger. It's not impossible in adulthood, but it's harder. Okay, because we don't have that same brain plasticity. We don't have that same malleability that we did as a child, which is why we're so impressionable as children, less impressionable as adults. So all this stuff is working together, the psychology, the social, everything. And here we are, right? Just trying to make it through life, <laughs> just trying to find happiness and love and all of that stuff. But we've been, we've been imprinted um, at a certain time in our life, um, marked especially by things that we did not have. Sorry, my phone was going crazy. Um, so, so that is the work that is the work cut out for us is understanding, identifying the times in our life where needs were unmet, um, understanding those, embracing those, being compassionate towards ourselves for not being able to be 
perfect, for lack of a better word, in, in every way. You know, understanding that you have shortcomings, you have weaknesses, you have vulnerabilities, the compassion comes from understanding that that all comes, that all comes from somewhere. I tell people, we need to stop asking ourselves, why am I like this? And start asking ourselves, what have I gone through, right? What have I gone through to be like this? What has happened to me? What has happened to me? Not why am I like this? What has happened to me? It's a subtle shift. Remember I talked about narrative. It's a subtle, subtle shift that invokes so much more compassion of understanding that we're not just out here trying to be, you know, broken and messed up for the, for the fun of it. Something has happened, right? Something has happened at these different points in our life, in our childhood, our preteens, our teens. Something was missed. And now with less malleability than we have in our childhood, we're trying to fix it. And that's hard work. It's not impossible work, but it's hard work. That helps so much because I think inner child work is something that we hear people talk a lot about, but it is sometimes hard to understand, okay, what is it? And what you explained with being able to identify what were those times in my life where I didn't get what I needed, what was missing, and how has that impacted me now? And just being able to ask yourself those questions and understand how to connect our current behavior to what has happened to us. I'm like, oh, that makes – now I understand. Now I understand yeah. what it is and and the steps that I can start taking to heal from those things. Yeah. Oh, you summarized that so well. I need you in my class. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. And so. I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, when we have these conversations, you know, from your listeners to, you know, when people are out there carrying inner child work, what they understand is that this is why this is hard work and why this is lifetime work. Because at this point as adults, right, you have the compassion and, and the tenderness and the understanding when now it becomes about how can I give myself what I need? How can I give myself what I never got? You know, how can I give it to myself? How can I cultivate an environment that gives it to me? That's the work, but that's also where the power is that we can give to ourselves what we still need, what we'll always need, because again, there's that imprint. We can't talk about modalities of healing without talking about meditation. Meditation has been a daily essential for me in my healing journey, and as someone who is always on the go, I can have a hard time sitting still. That's why I have to put you on to my favorite meditation app, Open. Open is a digital mindfulness platform combining breathwork, meditation, and movement. And though I was introduced to meditation years ago, recently I'd really lost my way. I was feeling really restless. I was having a hard time connecting to my practice and getting centered. I just needed something different. And when I started using Open, I was really able to recommit to my daily meditation practice. The meditations on the app are beautifully done and they've been really helping me catch my breath. They have meditations of all lengths. So whether you just have five minutes or you're trying to really tap in and be calm for 30, Open has a class for you. I've also started doing some of their breathwork classes on the app and it's really changing my mind about breathwork. I'll be honest, I personally have not been a breathwork girly in the past. It just wasn't clicking and it really challenged me in ways that made me not want to do it. (laughs) But on open, the breathwork exercises are just so inviting and accessible and it's helped me connect with myself and my breath in a whole new way. 
Open has unlimited live and on-demand breathwork, meditation, yoga, Pilates, and more. And what I love about Open is you can invite guests to hop in and take classes with you. You know we love healing in community, and Open is an amazing way to do that. So let's take a class together. Open is giving Balanced Black Girl listeners 30 days free when you visit open-together.com slash balanced. So that's 30 days of unlimited meditation, breath work, yoga, and Pilates. Trust me, you do not want to miss this deal. So hop in and join your trial today. Again, you can join me on open by going to open-together.com slash balanced. Let me know what you think and I'll see you in class. So taking myself for an example, you know, understanding that at 11, I needed someone to stand up for me, yeah. you know, and someone to literally be my friend, yeah. someone to be my friend. This is, it was a hard year. I go back to this memory of, I was just talking to my therapist about this, planning this, uh, my family was planning this huge birthday party for me. Uh, <laughs> if you ever want to <laughs> understand trauma, how you feel about your birthday will tell you a lot about your trauma. I'll, I'll say that. That, <laughs> that tracks. That definitely um, tracks. Right, right. It's like that. It's uh, some of our birthday responses are trauma responses. But it's almost like a birthday party. And cut the long story short, you know, we put a lot of work into this. Um, I'm, you know, I'm the first daughter of immigrants, humble beginning. We didn't have a lot of money. Um, and so I remember my parents spending a lot of money on this birthday party and me already starting to feel guilty because we didn't have, you know, we didn't have this money. Anyways, um, nobody came. Mm. Nobody came. And I was crushed. You know, I, I was, I mean, that was such a uh, defining moment for me. Like when I think about the self-talk I have now about, you know, that I, that I if I can just be real, yeah. that I still struggle with, even though my externals have changed, even though I'm grown and I have great family, get friends, whatever, whatever, there's still that self-talk of like, no one will show up for me, you know, or I'm not important enough for people to, to show up for me. I'm not, I, I somehow I'm gonna, you know, I'm just, I'm just not important. <laughs> I'm just not important enough to people, you know, without, and I'm also trying to say this in a way where I don't get emotional, start crying on your podcast job. We can cry but, together. Um, it's okay. <laughs> Thank you. You're so sweet. So, you know, I think about 11, I think about that birthday party among other things that were going on that year. And I think about how I needed to think someone to stand up for me and someone to be my friend, someone to basically say, you are important and you are significant enough to show up for, to be around, to claim. Okay. That, that word like claim that word belong, um, belong, belonging, all that stuff is like, that's deep stuff for me. Okay. Um, the power I have now is to tell myself, right, to give to myself, you know, to claim myself, <laughs> to belong to myself, to stand up for myself in different ways, but also to cultivate community where I don't have to worry about not belonging, right? Where I don't have to worry about not being stood up for, um, where I feel claimed. And people do that in different ways. And the, the thing that you have to realize is that not everyone will do that for you. And it, it is not necessarily everyone's responsibility to do that for you. That's why you choose your friends. You choose your love. You choose your community, right? Because there will be some people who will be able to create a space and give you what it is you need. And not everyone is for everyone. 
And, you know, some of the, the problems, the problems we have is that we're putting ourselves in situation or allowing ourselves into situation or allowing people into our lives that trigger over and over again, our deepest wounds, right? And it's like, they have their own stuff. It doesn't necessarily make them bad people. But when you're thinking about, you know, we use the word compatibility for love. When we're thinking about compatibility, it's not just, oh, I, you know, I'm a night person. I'm a morning person. I mean, obviously you guys, you get me, but it's like, what do I need in my healing? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I, I, person personality may be compatible but what about our healing journey like do you have the 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 strength the wherewithal the emotional intelligence to make to help me feel like i belong to help me feel claimed and then do i have the same stuff for you you know um yeah. So we, there's a lot of, we can be empowered in the type of relationships, the type of friendships, the type of communities that we cultivate, knowing that there ain't no shame in meeting people in our lives who can create space where we can continue to heal, who can be a part of that healing. And I think there's something strange about our culture where everything has to be by ourselves. And there's room for that because we need to be able to give ourselves these things too. But we don't have to sit in relationships and communities, faith communities, uh, love anything where people continue to trigger our deepest wounds. Like, like nobody asks for that. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. we're allowed to be choosy about the people in our lives because of our healing, because of where we've been wounded. Yeah. yeah. Right. We hurt in relationship. So we heal in relationship too. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. Uh, well, first, I want to really thank you for sharing your story about what happened when you were 11. And I'm so sorry that that happened. And I appreciate you just sharing openly and vulnerably about that and about ways that we can be empowered in our healing. And I really appreciate the distinction you made between kind of the individualistic culture we do have in a lot of ways versus, you know, being the self-starter for your own healing. Cause there is a big difference. Like we do have to kickstart our healing for ourselves, but once we kickstart yeah. it or maybe tip over that first domino, we, we do kind of, we need connection and support to tip over the rest. That's exactly right. Liz. There's, there's, there's room and it's important to do the individual work, but it's also important to cultivate a community and relationships that honor, if you will, yeah. what we need. You know, it's literally just the opposite of, or the, the compliment, the complimenting piece to how things happened in the first place. Mm-hmm. So, if, you know, in childhood, we have an unmet need, that unmet need comes from a person, right? It's, it's, it's usually, I, I don't even think I can think of an, an instance where it isn't a person or, you know, or people or, or a family or a system or a teacher or something, you know what I mean? And so um, there's a, while it's important to give these things to ourselves, it's important to recognize, oh, well, I was hurt in community. So let me cultivate 
a different type of community. You know, mm-hmm. I was hurt by somebody who did these types of things to let me cultivate relationships with people who don't do those types of things. Yeah. While I'm also learning to 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 give myself what I need to the best of my ability. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that's I feel like I'm going to be thinking about that for quite some time because I think hyper independence is something that's very common. Also, I'm adding myself right now because I also <laughs> exhibit some of those behaviors and it can kind of be that natural response of people don't support me, people don't give me what I need, so I'm just going to do these things myself. It it feels like kind of that natural knee jerk reaction. And so remembering that uh, it's a Band-Aid, but it's not what's going to actually heal that wound. But it's also really scary if you've had these experiences of being let down, putting yourself in a position to be vulnerable like that again, even though that's where the true healing happens, is really scary. All of this is scary. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and, and I'm glad that you named that so that people listening can find solace, if you will, that, you know, it, this, it, this is a hard thing. It's a scary thing. Um, but it's a beautiful thing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's a beautiful thing um, to truly have what you need, to truly find what you're looking for, to be whole. Yeah. Hard, but but beautiful. Yeah. And again, lifetime lifetime journey. Definitely. Um, yeah. Psychological, emotional, cognitive, spiritual, all of it. Mm-hmm. All of it. Which is why I love the things you talk about on your pat on your podcast, you know, on this here podcast, because you take a pretty holistic approach, you know, to do your work and and that's what it requires. That's what it requires. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's I've learned that a lot of this is so very interconnected. And actually I what you just said, you know, and that integration is kind of the perfect segue about the work being hard but being worth it. So I'd also love to talk about maybe signs when we can kind of tell that the work is working. <laughs> um because with yeah. emotional healing, it's tricky. Like physical healing it's a lot easier to tell uh, when something is healing. If I break my leg, there will be a point where my leg is no longer broken. And it's pretty easy to tell when that point is. But for those emotional wounds, that's a little bit different. You know, what are some signs where we can look for, where we can see, okay, I've made a, I've made a little bit of progress here, or I have, maybe I have made a lap around this mountain and I've gotten a little bit higher. Oh, that's such a good question, Liz. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's, there's some of the obvious things. So if we're talking about like, let's say like a heartbreak, you know, the, you know, that happens the first couple days, weeks, Lord, if it's me a month, me too. <laughs> you know, you're waking up crying, going to sleep mm-hmm. crying, you know, <laughs> um, that you feel like you've been hit by a bus. I mean, it, you're just in total physical and emotional disarray. I mean, you, if you think back to like when heartbreak was fresh to now, 
there's an obvious difference there. You're not waking up crying. You're not going to sleep crying. Whereas you didn't, you know, whereas you felt like you could not go on without this person, um, or you did not feel a, just any confidence in yourself without your person. I mean, I think a lot of us can resonate with um, feeling like this is it. This is the end. This is going to be the end of me. Like I will not find happiness inside of this person to where we're here now. You know, you've moved on. Maybe you're dating somebody else. You're with somebody else, married to somebody else, you know? Um, So, I mean, I think that's like an obvious sort of observation that we can point to in all of our lives where, the first time something happens, a heartbreak happens, as an example, we are not well. Yeah. <laughs> and then we're able to stand on our own two feet again. Um, so that's, you know, very, that's specific to like it, um, an incident, maybe like an adult, an, uh, an incident in your adult life where you're seeing changes. But I think like to talk more like subtly and like with nuance, what I've found and and even have written about is things like agency Mm. things like being able to make your own decisions and stand on your own two feet trust yourself more trust your gut more you know see your future um experience freedom from needing a million different approvals to do what is in your heart to want to do. I mean, these are subtle, but insanely huge Mm -hmm. (laughs) strides to make. That is a healing thing because the things that keep us bound to people's opinions, the things that make it hard to make our own decisions, the the thing the things that make it difficult to think about the future and what we want um, to have boundaries, to exercise them. The things that make all of these things hard is a wound is something that has happened to us where we kind of the take home point for us is let me not do these things so I can keep myself safe. Like that's how we protected ourselves. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to make any sudden movements. I'm not going to make my own decisions. I'm not even going to think, you know, um, of what I need to do. I'm not going to hold my boundaries. I'm not going to do any of these things because, because, you know, that's not safe and things could happen to me and I'll, I'll lose my place. I won't belong anymore. I I won't be accepted. I won't be able to stand on my, on my own two feet. So these subtle things that I'm naming are things that we have difficulty doing because we were wounded at some point and we learned to sort of like shut off these subtle things about ourselves so that we can stay safe. Healing is when you start to realize that you can withstand the discomfort mm-hmm. <laughs> right, that can happen when you make your own decisions, when you exercise boundaries, when you stand on your own two feet, when you really think about what you want to do in your future. Like that freedom to be your full, authentic self, to move around the world as your full, authentic self, doing what is fully authentic to you and important to you. Um, that's all healing. That's all freedom. And those things deserve to be celebrated. Mm. 
those things deserve to be celebrated. I know for me, being able to do what I need to do without the approval of a ton of people is huge for me. Remember, like, one of my uh, core wounds is not belonging, right? And so when you are moving through life, hurt because you never belonged, and then once you do belong, afraid that you're going to lose it, I mean, everything becomes about acceptance and approval and um, not doing anything that's going to jeopardize people's opinions of you because you don't want to be alone again. I mean, this is my story. And so I realize that my healing, I'm seeing my healing, my progress, my journey up the mountain. When I make any decision, big or small, that risks, okay, literally risks um, somebody not approving of me, Mm -hmm. that risks somebody not accepting me. And sometimes I do it and I'm like, oh, my accept, (laughs) I'm still accepted. And sometimes I do it and I'm, I'm not, yeah. you know, somebody disapproves, but regard, I, I, I'm, I'm still doing it. I, the fact that I'm able to risk that, what once felt like something I could not survive is healing for me. I'm a different person just by being able to do something that risks a wound that I've, that I've experienced before. Does that make sense? Oh, it totally makes sense. Yes. And doing those things that risk a wound can be so, so scary. Like, yeah, I completely, yeah. completely agree and commend that that is a really beautiful thing and such a beautiful sign of growth when you're ready to start taking yeah. those small steps that feel like big steps. I shouldn't necessarily yeah. call them small because they're not always small. They're huge. Yeah. They're huge steps. Yeah. They're huge steps. And it may not ever not feel scary, mm-hmm. but the what shifts is what shifts is going from I can't to I can't survive this to I can survive this. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah, I don't want it to happen. No one's willy nilly. Oh, I want to be, you know, wounded again. You know, like no one's going to get there, but when you take that small step and just that's that, just that step alone is huge. The fact that, okay, I'm risking something here. I'm going to do it anyway. Um, nine times out of 10, you're going to be fine. Mm -hmm. But that one time out of 10 or nine times out of 10, you're, you know, what you feared you're going to lose, you're not going to lose. Yeah. When that, when, when, when things do happen that are hurtful, you realize I survived this, yeah. I can survive this. And it just gives you more courage to keep going. Oh yeah. Because that's the thing. Like we underestimate how much we can survive. Absolutely. We underestimate, we underestimate our own resilience. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also overestimate bad things continuing to happen to mm-hmm. us. It's a trauma thing. Oh, yeah. um, so just taking those small steps, which which are huge steps, taking the huge steps <laughs> that are small steps, yes. um, is a sign that you're healing. Because once upon a time, you wouldn't even dream of doing that. Once you would be like, nope, I'm good where I'm at. This is, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? There, the, once upon a time, you risk would send you into a panic attack. Yeah. The fact that you're even entertaining it is healing. That's so empowering. (laughs) 
So empowering. And I think that that also relates really well to the example that you shared before about heartbreak. Thinking about the first time you get your heart broken, it is like you've never experienced that before. So you were just like, the world is ending. And then once you survive it, yeah, you don't want to get your heart broken again. But if it happens again, you're like, okay, I've done this before and I I lived, I survived, and I I will continue yeah. after this. And it's that that proof that helps you trust yourself again. Yeah, and I, I love I love that piece too, Les. Just trusting yourself. That's something that we when we get wounded, when we get hurt, it's one of the first things to go out the door. Yeah. Our trust for ourselves. You know, trusting our gut, trusting our instincts, trusting our decisions, trusting all of that. It's like one of the first things to go. It's almost like we blame our, not even almost, often times we're blaming ourselves for being wounded. We're blaming ourselves for, you know, for, for how we were hurt. And so it's like, well, even if it's not conscious as a part of us, it's like, if, if, if I wasn't me or if I thought differently, you know, I wouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be hurt. So it's like, well, I, I'm not trustworthy. Um, which is why I think and, you know, believe that being able to trust ourselves again yeah. um, is one of the most powerful things. And what to me, one of the most incredible signs that we are healing I can trust myself. Mm. I'm not going to get it right every time, but there was actually nothing wrong with me. What happened, happened, you know, but it's not because it was me. You know, it's, 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 it's not because, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's not because I'm fundamentally flawed, you know? Yeah. There's, in, in most situations, there's things that we could do or uh, do better. There's lessons to learn. Yeah, I'm, I'm not negating that, but there's this f- kind of fundamental trust we can have in who we are, how we think, how we move. Um, that's important to have yes. and is unfair when people take that away from us, mm. you know, Um so I'm really big on trusting yourself and in it, owning your mistakes. Because mm-hmm. we all make them. Yeah. Who doesn't make mistakes? Yeah. Own your mistakes. Grow, develop. But don't not trust yourself. Mm-hmm. Who can you trust more than yourself? That, you know? That's a great question. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I ask myself that <laughs> a couple times. Yeah. Who, I mean, who... Who, yeah. who can we trust more than ourselves? Yeah. I mean, if you're a spiritual person, I would say the only other person is, you know, God, your creator. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, yep. who, who am I going to trust in my life more than me? Right. What? That don't make no sense. Right. Because we, at least you when know, it's with but, ourselves, we, we know what the intention is. Right. Right. Exactly. Oh, my goodness. Peace. This not to be cliche because we're talking about healing and because the series is about healing, but I feel like this conversation has been healing just being a part of it. And I know that this is going to be a conversation that I return to and listen to again to continue just soaking up your wisdom and all that you've shared with us today. So thank you so much. 
Oh my goodness. You are so sweet. You're so sweet and tender. <laughs> I'm happy we got to be in this space together and, and chat about these things. And I'm, I'm, I'm even thinking about, oh, dang, I think I need to go journal after this because I'm yes. sharing something right. that I haven't thought about in a while. And Lord. Yes. I'm probably going to go I'm you know, journal but- after this too. And for everybody listening, you know, I invite you to, to do the same once, once. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is up. Grab your journal and, and write down what comes up for you. Here, here. Yes. Do what love says. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me. So how can our audience keep in touch with you? How can they work with you? How can they support you? I know after tuning in, everybody is going to be like, we need more. Where is she? We need more. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the easiest way to connect uh, with me is definitely Instagram. It's Pisamati. And there I usually am sharing like what's next and the link in the bio has all the different options for ways to work with me. And there's definitely more stuff coming. I mean, I getting a lot more interest in talking about this types of stuff, inner child healing and and all of that. So I'm like, okay, got it, got it, got it. So I'm definitely working on some things that can help people with that part, you know, these parts of their lives. Like, and I'm really excited to begin sharing those things in the next few months. So stay connected with me on Instagram would be the best way right now. Amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm around. Perfect. I'm around. Yes, we will have <laughs> your Instagram and your website linked in the show notes. You're truly one of my favorite follows. I love the content that you share oh, on Instagram. Yes. Truly, truly. See what I mean about cultivating <laughs> healing? <laughs> Uh, that means a lot. I don't take that for granted at all. I speak the truth. I speak the truth. So we will make sure that your information is linked there to make it easy for everyone to find you. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, love. I honestly wanted to ask Dr. Peace about a hundred more questions. She has such a gift for teaching and making this information really easy and approachable to understand. So please make sure you are following her on Instagram. If you are not already, all of her information is linked in the show notes. You can also head to the show notes for all the resources mentioned in today's episode. We try to make the notes as helpful as possible. So if you don't usually read the show notes, the show notes because there's usually a lot of good information there as well as hookup codes from our incredible sponsors such as open if this episode resonated with you make sure you get in on the 30 days free from the open meditation app because it will be really supportive on your healing journey next week i'm expanding a bit more on the topic of healing in relationship and community that dr peace introduced us to today and discussing why we do not need to be fully healed to be loved So get your podcast players ready, subscribe, continue this healing series with me, and I'll talk to you next week.